Hello, hello, uh, hi. It's, yeah, you've just had that annoying countdown thing, and it's, um, it's, what is it? It's, when, it's Wednesday evening, it's the, it's the 16th of June, definitely, no, it's not, it's, it's actually the 15th of June, and it's a.m., uh, because I'm about to drive, uh, yes, drive, sadly, because I've got a boot full of kit, down to, um, uh, down to Strafton-upon-Avon for real life, but anyway, more of that later, uh, here's my large face saying hello, hello everyone, <laughs> We'll see what this one is. It's a pre-record. Welcome to the pre-record. Hooray! Hopefully there's lots of chat still going on in the corner. You, the chat makes it. But uh, you, for those who get very angry at my distractions, uh, you're not going to have them this time, except that this sort of is one. Anyway, whatever. Let's get cracking. So, uh, without further ado, uh, the news. So, uh, the news. Uh, well, firstly, uh, batteries for Greenford. Yes, uh, the Greenford branch. Um, this is interesting. Thanks for um, Thanks for those who pointed this out on the Twitters. Uh, GWR are um, they're seeking uh, they're seek they they've put out a, uh, a a kind of a procurement document a procure, uh, kind of a contract well they live they've sent an expression of interest in suppliers to to send a trial for a battery powered train supported by fast charging equipment um, to operate uh, their passenger services on the West Ealing to Greenford branch uh, for a period of a year. Now I'm of the mind that these sorts of branches ought to be fully electrified, so I <laughs> seems daft. But uh, you know, it's a it's, it's a trial, uh, and we need to get trials of battery trains running as soon as possible because they're so they sort of form part of the uh, of the TDNS, the Traction Decarbonisation Network Strategy. Um, interestingly, the documentation from GWR actually specifically address it says this trial will support the objectives of the Traction Decarbonisation Network Strategy and will be delivered with the support of Network Rail and Depart for Transport. <clears throat> so it's interesting. Two and three quarter miles of mostly double track railway served by two by two car turbos stopping at all stations. All very straightforward. So yeah, they've just sent that um they've just sent that contract lot out. Uh and, and we'll see what happens. But that's one to one to watch. Um see what happens. The contract will start in December of this year and it'll end in March uh well end at the end of March, so it's at the end of financial year twenty thirty. Three twenty-two to thirty-three. Um, yeah, well, let's see. It's um, mixed feelings on that. For me, that's a branch line that's got an intensive enough service that you'd you'd electrify, but perhaps not. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, I can't remember what the TDNS actually says about that. And in hindsight, I probably should have brought up the TDNS to see what it recommends. In any case, uh, we'll 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 see. Next item. Oh yeah, good grief. Uh, yeah, content standard content warning. This is this 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 has imagery with a with a crash in it. But uh, yeah, watch. Bang. That uh, that was a Range Rover. It's now um, less of a Range Rover. Um, it did indeed whack into um, yeah, it did indeed whack into uh, the side of an Azuma traveling at uh, high speed, very much high speed, and caused. Well, it doesn't look like much damage, but it was enough damage. Uh, it actually ripped off the. You, you can sort of see up top here that it's ripped off the. Um, uh, where are we? Yeah, up here. You can see it. it's it's actually. Ripped. I think that's ripped off some of the cameras, some of the the door cameras, and and it's smashed. I think it smashed one, but not both panes of glass, uh, which is interesting. Uh, you can see damp body body side damage, damage under under kind of damage to the underfloor as well. It did cause a lot of damage. These are big dents as well. But I think key thing is, I mean, good grief shows the crashworthiness capability of the. Uh, of the IT, good grief! I mean, that's serious. 
you know, all the, all the nonsense talk about cracks. Yes, minor cracks. These are things that have been picked up and are being are being identified. You know, have been identified and are being inspected. But you compare. You just look at the crash. This is this is a the the shape of the the body is it's kind of like this, and the actual body panels are formed of a, a kind of a double skinned extrusion, with with kind of a honeycomb. Actually, I think it's more even more sophisticated than this. It's it's. I think it's more like a honeycomb, so it's actually more of a complex pattern than that, even. But there, it's it's a double-skinned aluminium extrusion, um, and this is this is as as the as the best way to build train bodies was developed in, um, or kind of optimized in Europe in the nineties. I talked about crashworthiness already, haven't I? Quite a bit, but it's it's very very strong. The Pendolino was was the first train that really made use of this um, you know, um, in the UK, certainly from a high speed perspective. And uh, yeah, it's just very very strong, and it's and the the toughness of that has been, I think, somewhat tested here. I mean, I, you know, I'm not comparing it to other vehicles in this instance. It's just it's just an indication, you know, that this is a very safe vehicle. It's, um, yeah, horrible, absolutely horrible. So uh, yeah, the, the vehicle was that Range Rover that was it was on the um, it had been nicked. I think the driver seems to have got away. I don't know whether. By the time this goes out, they'll be found. Anyway, so yeah, the um, Range Rover got somewhat fly swatted. What next? Uh, oh yeah, rail live! Hooray! It's happening now, as we speak, or, or rather earlier today it happened. Um, today, your time, not today, my time. Today, my time. They're still setting up. Um, yes, so rail live is happening now. Uh, yeah, it's rail live. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it much other than it happens here. In this, there's red on green. This is hopeless. Anyway, uh, lots of stuff happens here. It's south of Stratford upon Avon. It's the QRTC. Uh, Viva Rail are based here, and lots of other stuff happens here. And it's it's all very busy and exciting. Oh, they've still got the two Euros. These 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 two Eurostar cars are actually in the aerial footage. Huh, they're gone. I took a photo of those. It's the one that's on Wikipedia for these two vehicles. Um, they're now the uh, the Donny Star and the Brum Star. If you're interested. Anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, it's happening now, and um, well, more on that later. Anyway, but for now, we must talk about track. Uh, the Permanent Way. It's a Permanent Way episode, everyone. Uh, it's a nerdy Permanent Way episode where we're going to be talking about nerdy Permanent Way things. Um, let's do this thing. Let's let's get cracking. We'll see how long this is going to be. I don't know how long. It might be an hour. could be six. No, it's not going to be six hours. It's not going to be... Hopefully, it's not even going to be an hour. Hopefully, it's more like going to be half an hour or 45 minutes. It's a short, snappy one uh, because pre-records aren't quite as fun for all of you lot because you don't seem to... Well, rightly so. It's not quite as engaging because it's not live. It doesn't need to be as long, does it? Anyway, it does get that long because I'll witter on. Welcome to tonight's Rail Natter! City 225 fades away. Let's go back to another picture of some track. There it is, lovely. I need to remind myself to turn off the the um, cursor capture on, on here. Um, in fact, that's precisely what I'm going to do right now to remind myself of, of precisely this. Let's get uh, let's get my miniature face up, shall we? Here we go. Hello, everyone. Um, and I'm also going to right-click on here and go Properties and click Unclick Capture Cursor. There we go. So... Now you can no longer see my cursor unless I scribble things like, for example, uh, like for example, scribbling uh, "Hi Ella" on here with the Wacom. And um, yeah, uh, here's a nice view of some S and C. There's some switches and crossings. Lovely. Um, actually, this picture is. I should have used this picture later because you can see there's a difference in the 
the rail sec anyway don't worry about that so we're going to talk about a track we're going to talk about well actually we know that uh 11 episodes ago right uh episode 55 why is standard track gauge four foot eight and a half inches well we we went through and explained why that is the case you know and it's for mostly mundane reasons it's not the nothing to do with horses bottoms or romans it's just because the person who ended up creating the most railways uh happened to have uh you know five foot was this the plate way gauge and yeah blah blah it's not very we, we've done that so 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 again that one we kind of asked the question why is standard gauge track um four foot eight and a half inches well we are now going to be asking the question why isn't standard gauge track four foot eight and a half inches uh, because it's potentially a more interesting question is to ask why it isn't that number why that why track gauge is not actually that number at all um so I thought this would be quite an interesting. Whiz through it's a chance, an excuse to talk about a few little permanent way concepts that could be interesting. Um, yeah, some some hopefully some some food for thought, some fun stuff, some stuff that you can out pedant people with. When when you get someone being a pedant and getting all nasal, then you can hopefully out nasal them with some of these tidbits. So uh, without further ado, let's let's crack on. So why isn't standard track gauge four foot eight and a half inches? Well. Reason number one, and there are 10, I've got 10, I've got a list of 10, and, and, and some of you might have other suggestions as well, but we'll get there. But reason number one is, uh, because it's not four foot eight and a half inches, it's 1435 millimetres, and uh, and indeed has been in Britain since the 1960s. Yes, um, we don't measure track gauge in, in feet and inches, and haven't done for over 50 years. So, um, it's, so it isn't four foot eight and a half inches, it's 1435 millimetres. Um, and that's in Britain. But forget that. The fact is that standard track gauge is defined by the UIC, by the International Union of Railways, uh, and their base is in Paris. So they are not going to use feet and inches because those are imperial measurements. They're going to use millimetres, as they did when they defined standard track gauge uh, over 100 years ago. So standard tra track gauge was 1.435 or 1435 millimetres um, a long, long time ago. And then even in Britain, we whiz over to our little British funny island. Um, in in Britain, uh, we actually... We're, uh, a possibly strange feature of Handbook 49, which is our... Um, well, where is it? I've got it. I've, I think I've wiggled Handbook 49 around before. It's uh, this one here. Yeah, here it is. This is my old version. Handbook 49. There it is. There it is. Uh, big shout out to Brian Whitney. There's Brian. Uh, oh, actually, not on the front of this one. I think Brian must be on the front of two one or two. Anyway, um, the person in charge of these now is uh, is a is a chap called Gareth Evans. Hi, Gareth. If you could, if you want to come on a rail matter, it might be very confusing for the audience, but it'd be great fun. Right. Anyway, let's put that there. Oh, it's actually next to. Oh, it's actually next to my other uh, my other copy of Handbook Forty Nine over there, which has different coloured post-it notes. Both of those are now out of date because there have been several updates since. Anyway, I digress. Let's go back to miniaturized face before I forget to do that. So actually, interestingly, in Handbook 49, by weird way that they set out, these are the dimensions of the um, of uh, of sleepers, and sort of so, so that they've kind of got the sleeper designation here, and then you've got the 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 gauge is is here, and then you've got a load of other dimensions about heights and and mass and and type of you know the, what the REPW number is and, and a load of other stuff. Also, kind of what the fastener is. 
blah, 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 and the clips as well. Lots of useful information. Maybe one day we'll go through Handbook 49 as an episode. That'll be thrilling. But uh, what's quite interesting about these is that for some strange reason, they they record the, um, the, the track gauge in the number in the specs. So you can see the moment at which you can see the sleeper family uh, within which the um, it changed from being uh, four foot eight and three eighth inches. We'll come back to that one. Uh, to fourteen thirty two. Again, we'll come back to why that's not fourteen thirty five. But you can see when it changed from imperial, uh, when it changed from imperial to metric, which was in the sixties. I think it was in the in the mid sixties, around about then. Uh, the the F twenty four is from sixty three. Uh, sorry, the F twenty three is from nineteen sixty three. The F twenty four is shortly afterwards to serve a slightly different purpose. Um. Yeah, and I think the F twenty four BS came through a little bit later on. I think maybe sixty five, sixty six. Um, yeah. So, but you can see when they when they changed. So um, there you go. Uh, in the sixties, it, it changed. So, what's the next uh, reason why track gauge isn't four foot eight and a half inches? Um, well, you might have seen some allusions to it there. It's because British Rail made it fourteen thirty two millimeters for thirty three years uh, between nineteen sixty three and nineteen ninety six. Um, BR ha- reduced the, the track gauge from 1435. Actually, at the time, it was still in, in, in inches. So they changed it from four foot eight and a half inches down to four foot eight and three eighth uh, inches. So uh, uh, an eighth of an inch narrower than, um, than you know, uh, rather than it being four eighths, it went down to three eighths. Um, why did they do this? Well, reasons. It was in a failed attempt. I point out the, the word failed. A failed attempt to reduce hunting. So... Let's uh, take a step back. Here is a nice picture. Um, you can see it's nice, isn't it? We've got uh, in, the, in the in the foreground here. We've got uh, what look like some F twenty sevens, concrete sleepers with uh, what will be one one three A rail and some PR four one A pan clips. PR four one As are the same as the golden golden pandrel clip, by the way. If you recognise that, love that famous squiggle shape uh, down here. Uh, this this these these ones. These are. Um, PR four hundred one A's those clips, um, these are F twenty sevens probably F twenty seven sleeper. They might be BS's or or A's. Uh, it's kind of hard. To, yeah, I'd have to I'd have, I'd have to see them, but uh, yeah, they are lovely. And, and there's one one three A rail very likely. Interestingly, in the background you can see um, some fast clips on, uh, and you can, these these holes mean that these are steel sleepers. These are steel sleepers because it's a very light bit of track. This is the line from York to, to, to Moulton, actually. This is the level crossing. Uh, is it near Cramb? Kind of near um, uh, kind of near the Abbey. Um, it's all very lovely around there, but you cross over here. On, on, I cross over here regularly when I'm doing cycles. Anyway, I digress. The point being, um, these the, this, this track, you'll see loads of this track around. And all whenever you see these older kind of looking, slightly dustier looking sleepers... These uh, these older sleepers. The chances are their track gauge is fourteen thirty two, not fourteen thirty five. Here's a nice close up showing showing said sleeper. Uh, there are there's a nice uh, PR four on A, and uh, there's the, the nylon underneath that actually holds it in place. It's a classic orange biscuit. They're called biscuits as well. Um, and, and you can see here is a running edge that has not had any traffic on it for a very long time. Actually, where is this track? I took pictures of this somewhere. It was somewhere that I could get nice and close up to it and take a picture of it. Um, I can't remember exactly where it was, but anyway, it looks very shiny, doesn't it? Not. Very rusty. Uh, whatever. But concrete sleeper, fine. Also, don't worry too much about this dent here. It's on very good ballast, though. The ballast looks in terrific condition. 
I wonder where I took this picture. I can't remember. Anyway, those of you who are Patreon supporters will recognise this as one of the tiers. Shout out to everyone who's an F-27 sleeper. So, oh, um, 1432 gauge. Now, here's here's an image of some hunting. So what, what is hunting? Hunting is this oscillation, this sort of um, sinusoidal oscillation of the wheel set. Uh, so here, here you can see a wheel set. This is a, this is a, a wheel set. You've got an axle and you've got an axle there. There's an axle and you've got a wheel here. And it's kind of got this this sort of it's kind of got it's going out to here and then and then out to kind of here. You can see it's got this sinusoidal motion kind of going back and forth. Uh, that's looking at it from kind of side on, and this is this is this is top down, and you can see that this this kind of it's it's this sort of uh, twisting yawing uh, motion in plan. So this is just happening. This is just the natural uh, motion of the wheels, and, and all wheels do. This is the behavior of wheel sets on um, on 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 track generally. Ideally, you want to damp this out, and this is where your dampers come in. Actually, if we whiz back to, uh, can we do that? Oh, no, it's too, it's, it's, beyond, it's past the credits, not worth it. If you remember that picture, if you go back back in the video to the picture of the um, of the IET, the, the yaw dampers that had taken a bit of the brunt of the, the front end of a Range Rover, um, the yaw dampers are there looking pretty intact still, and those yaw dampers actually help uh, reduce this. But in the 60s, BR hadn't, hadn't really worked out yaw dampers. Wickens was still working his magic, um, and and so there was a belief that oh well what we can do if we if we reduce the track gauge we're reducing the amount of of space that the wheel set can move within and potentially we're going to then therefore reduce those hunting uh, effects and the hunting effects were causing problems for all sorts of vehicles it wasn't just has, uh, high speed vehicles high speed rail vehicles it was actually also although that was a problem it was actually a lot of it was empty freight wagons. You know, the hunting effect could end up with uh, with wagons just entirely derailing themselves and f flinging themselves up in a tree, uh, literally. So let's go back to this little uh, blip here. And you can see when it happened. It happened between, uh, at the po point at which we went from the uh, the F-19 sleepers here, four foot eight and a half inches, uh, there we are, four foot eight and a half inches, to the F-23 sleeper, which is arguably the first modern uh, pre-stressed sleeper and they're using so those the the, the F19s both used uh, used uh, sort of SHC fast, fastenings which are kind of this uh, if you can imagine the sleeper there, there's the sleeper uh, and and they kind of uh, where you, where you've got the rail running here like this um there's like a flat plate like this uh like a, a flat plate that sort of pins down and then there's a loop here that kind of holds it on uh, so that the actual plate looks like kind of like this with the the rail is 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 here this is a dreadful sketch um, and there's kind of a hoop that the the, the the plate sort of sits in. The you'll see a few of those. There's loads of those still around. I've actually got a picture. I've probably got dozens of pictures. In fact, I'm sure I do because I've taken pictures of all these types. Anyways, SHC clips kind of irrelevant. That's an, that was on the F19, but the F23 was a pandrel clip fastening. It was the first integral, I believe, the first integral fitting of the or standardized integral fitting of the pandrel clip. A bit like the a bit like this sleeper here. So it didn't look dissimilar to this, except that it had a except that the sleeper. Rather than having, uh, oh, that was a dreadful sketch. Rather than having um, sort of uh, shapes like this with the square end, uh, F23s have like a, a shape like this. Uh, there we are. F23s have this sort of slope here. Um, but yeah, first first kind of mass-produced uh, major rollout of pandrel sleepers. But they d made the decision in developing this. They decided right, we're gonna we're gonna reduce track gauge to fourteen thirty-two, and so they did. There we are. Um, and they didn't then reverse that until uh, the 90s, when the first post F-27 sleepers were really uh, uh, kind of getting developed. You can see, uh, so here's 
sorry, F27, F27, yeah, F27s, F28s. Here is, um, here's an EF28, which is a shallow depth sleeper. But they started adding, before it became standard, they started adding this, this five here in front of, so if you see a five, so, so the, probably the most common that you'll see around it, you, you'll see five F40s. Um, you'll see five F40 on the, written on the kind of the shoulder of the sleeper. And that's, it's an F40 sleeper, which is kind of the last of the um, F type uh, sleeper, sleeper family. So it's kind of a development of the F27. The last F type family, but with a track gauge of 1435, not 1432. This is a stupid designation because if, if you want, say, five F40 sleepers, you go, can I have five F40s, please? Uh, and then someone's going to be like, oh, does he want? Do they want five F40s or do they want a bunch of five F40 sleepers? I don't know. Uh, so anyway, thankfully we don't really use those. Well, we don't we don't use them at all anymore. That's very much out of date because uh, the standard sleeper is the G44. Hooray! Right. Um, oh yeah. Interestingly, uh, thanks to thanks to John Turner of the of the Models of Hull collection. By the way, these are the, some of my favourite pictures of Colton Junction. In fact, weirdly, this is the screen. This is currently on my third screen over here, or, or screen number one, uh, which is also my desktop background on that screen if you've if you've watched my other channels it's a bit weird having this picture up anyway here's a picture of colton junction when it was built looking very beautiful um so they uh so so it was actually on the selby diversion where it was a brand new bit of railway that the realization happened that this wasn't working <laughs> so when they were testing here's a special um here's here's uh, british rail research running their test train back and forth along the selby diversion um they used f23 sleepers here um i believe f23s f23 uh these f23 sleepers uh a lot of which are still in use on the selby diversion by the way i mean the last ages it's fine if the ballast is well kept and the and, it, and geometry is well maintained sleepers ballast even rails can last a very long time and certainly sleepers and ballast can last a very long time so they actually found that hunting was still happening. So, so the, the, on on the existing track, you could make the argument: well, the formation is issues, and there are other features and things and eccentricities, and and all the all the baggage that an existing railway has, and we can't determine absolutely that that fourteen thirty two is not working. Whereas the Selby diversion, brand new railway, everything built perfectly, no ballast memory, no this, no that, and they still had hunting on their fourteen thirty two. Um, and this is the point at which they realised, ah, this ain't working, and that was in. 1981 uh, and it took until uh 1996 before uh that <laughs> changed for good so there we are anyway um there's there's some tidbits so oh of course uh, so br research were meanwhile kind of way back in the 60s br research had already so the so the, the track that the civil engineering department had made this journey on their own but br research had already develop your dampers and put them into action you know here's some pictures of them doing the actual research on some there's some uh, some axles being tested there you see axle axle testing kit wheeling along doing things the rolling track and just generally uh testing things excitingly um yeah it's it's, it's spinning the wheels here it's all very marvelous high-tech technology and joyous um yes uh, so that that research is what gave us, you know, all the all the lovely wheel rail interface testing uh, is what then gave us uh, APTP. Um, sorry, APT is APTE, uh, which in turn then gave us APTP, the prototype. Sorry, um, there's some there's some gifts. Uh, Makeagift.com. Thank you. Um, which of course then ultimately led to the pacer. 
famously wonderful use of that technology. But anyway, that's that's by the by. So that's hunting. That's why 1432 was used for a bit and then finally realized it was a stupid idea. So what what other reasons have we got for standard gauge track not being four foot eight and a half inches? Well, um, there's no one. Because in vertical S&C, it's 1432 millimeters. <laughs> and this is still true of um, of NR56V switch and crossing units, kind of the modern uh, modern switch and crossing units used on, uh, still used quite quite very heavily uh, on, on secondary lines. Generally, we try and use um, uh, NR60 Mark II now for, um, for, for kind of primary routes and, and, and main lines, uh, kind of high-speed lines. But you, you'll still see NR56V being used. Anyway, what do I mean by vertical S&C? Um, well, firstly, it's worth pointing out that rails, they don't sit flat on the, on the, on the sleepers. Actually, in order to optimize the wheel rail interface, we, we incline them inwards uh, towards each other at, um, at either 1 in 20 or 1 in 40, depending on whether you're, you're British or European. Actually, so it varies across mainland Europe as well. But um, generally, you, you, you incline rails um, at either 1 in 20 or 1 in 40. That inclination is good for the wheel rail interface, but it isn't necessarily good for steel fabrication and making S&C straightforward to... Um, manufacturer, particularly where you've got uh, you know, complex SNC interacting. So for SNC, uh, certainly older types of SNC and, and NR56V, as we've described, the V in NR56V, by the way, it means vertical. Um, in NR56V, we uh, we actually rotate the rails back to vertical. Uh, so so we actually have them uh, vertical. So you can see here within the the, the SNC, um, this is sat on a on a flat base plate here. Oh, actually not a flat base plate. Sorry, on a flat pad. Uh, which in turn, here you can see it's on a base plate. These are the slide base plates to allow the switch to slide back and forth. Um, it's actually sat on a bearer. This, I presume this is a 001E uh, bearer here. Uh, bearer is, is, is a bearer, not a sleeper, because it has a continuously, it, this, it's the same cross section the whole way through. So the actual shape, that shape is the same the whole way through, whereas with the sleeper, you, you'll see it's, it's, it's got a variation as we've described. You know, you've got the sloping sort of shoulders and the, the shallower bit in the middle. Um, so the bearer uh, there, you can see we've got nice uh, PR401A clips there as well. Very nice. Um, and the rail is inclined to vertical. And this makes the uh, the construction of the crossing uh, that bit easier, actually. Um, oh, actually, you know what? Let's, let's, let's put the picture in because I think that would be easier to explain i should have put this picture in at the start but uh it's fine uh oh actually i want to go to to this web, this here i mean i could delete this out couldn't i but uh i'm not going to there we are. let's that's the picture i want there marvelous uh and uh then i'm going to click on here and click on this button and then this yeah there we are and actually i just i'll keep the whole thing because i think it'll be clear right so uh, don't mind my digressions there. So uh, here you can see, this is a switch and crossing unit, if, if you didn't already know, because I've explained it enough times. This bit here um, is, is a, so that was a bit rude. I don't mean that, that you should know, because I've explained lots of times. I mean more like if you're a regular follower, I'll probably, this would be repetition for you. But if you aren't, then I'll, I'll, I shall explain. This bit here, uh, this bit here, this is the switch blade. Uh, so this bit of the of the, the unit is the, is the uh, is not very easy to see because of the color of uh thing I've chosen. So let's uh, let's just change the color to, to, to yellow. This will make everyone's life easier. It probably won't. This will be just as invisible. Uh, this bit is also invisible. Is the is the is the switch unit. So you can hear, see you, here you've got the heel blocks. You can see this is the switch. Lovely. Uh, this these parts here are the toe they're called the switch toes. Um, and then the back here, this bit here, this this sort of bit is the crossing. Uh, you can see some check rails there, check rail, check rail. And you can see the fact this is just a, a, a unit to nowhere. Um, 
So you've got the down here, you've got the switch, and up here you've got the crossing. And here's a zoomed-in bit of the actual crossing itself. Um, here you can see the biometallic uh, section to this, this bit here. This is to allow uh, connection between a, a uh, kind of a hardened uh, crossing. With, with there's the crossing nose, and this is where the wheels can decide to go either way, uh, depending on which direction the switch has sent them. Um, there's the check rail up here. Uh, you see the nice check rail, lovely. Uh, and and then this is where it's welded. This this biometallic uh, element here is a metal metallurgist's device to allow connection between two different uh, crystalline structures of steel. So the, the, the alloy is not necessarily that different. It's still steel, but it's slightly different crystalline structure from different uh, either either treatment, uh, kind of heat treatment, blast treatment indeed, where they sit this and literally blow stuff up on it, blow up TNT on it to harden it. You can see this is a semi-fabricated unit, actually. So this is actually, rather than being a single cast uh, unit, you've got the, the, uh, the, the, you've got the crossing uh, kind of block here, but then you've got the the um, the wings. Sorry, the wings, the V legs, and the wings uh, here are um, uh, fabricated in. Anyway, you didn't need to know any of that. You can see it says here. You can also see it says one in. I think it's one in thirteen point five. One in thirty five because that's the angle of the crossing. Uh, so if you walk a meter that way, sorry, if you walk thirteen point five meters that way, it'll be uh, it'll be a meter between the, the two rails anyway none of that you need to know point is this is a switching crossing unit <laughs> and actually to fabricate these it was quite hard to, it's quite hard to do that with inclined um when, when you're machining a big part it's quite hard to do that on inclined rail so vertical rail makes this the machining of this a bit easier and in complex snc it makes the geometry a bit easier to deal with as well so so there's a reason that's that's why that's the case um oh and uh go back to my red now uh, wait a minute i've got red on it uh 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 uh, uh. just find my where is it there we go. One drop should let's change, let's change back to red. So, um, you can see here, uh, this is an extract out of uh, Network Rails 2102. So, uh, there it is, 1432 millimeters for 1056 vertical SNC. There we are, hooray! Uh, also, in this instance, you can see that it's 1435 for uh, 1060 SNC, uh, which is sort of partially inclined, even though the gauge changes. So, yeah, don't worry about that too much. But anyway. There's 1432. So, another reason why why else why else do we have um, uh, why what is track gauge not for for eight and a half inches? Ah, uh, well, this is a, a big one, which is because uh, G44 sleepers, which are the ubiquitous sleeper on modern um, ballasted track in the UK or in GB at least, um, they're built to actually give a gauge of 1436 millimeters, not 1435 millimeters, which is the same as all other. Um, 56E1 inclined concrete sleepers. So um, let's get the. There's, there's a picture of our track. Here is G44. You can see here it says G44 uh, on the on the kind of the markings. These ones are made by Semex. Thanks Semex. Um, and here's a, a mold number. So, so you, if the, if they start looking funny, you know which mold is making them look strange. Um, if I click, and you can see the rail. There's the rail. There's this uh, nice uh, Pandrel fast clip there. Uh, F1504 clip. Uh, with its kind of integral, its integral nylon, rather than having a, a separate plastic piece, there's there's a kind of a, a nylon here that fits underneath. You can sort of see it. You can see that there's a nylon here that fits, and then there's another one here. This just improves the dynamic performance of the fastening. It's a it's a good design thing. I think for my rail nav wander round, which I'll talk about shortly, for that wander round, I'll uh, I'll go to the pandrel stand and I'll show you pandrel stuff. It's always good fun. Anyway, yeah, here here we are. Uh, I did a zoom in for the benefit of people. G44, there it is, G44, lovely. They're ubiquitous, they're everywhere. They're great, they're fine, they're just a sleeper, they do what they need to do, 265 kilos, whatever it is, of concrete and, pretent and, and kind of pretensioning tendons. Marvellous. 
But here is the extract from page 67 of 202, which is track gauge for new straight track. Da -da -da -da, shall be 1435 millimeters. Uh, but it says nominal. Now, what it actually means, see here it says, the note is, although it's referred to as 1435 nominal, new sleepers are designed to give gauges of 1436 for Sen56. And also, oh, what's that? 1438 for Sen60. Oh, we'll get to that shortly. Because uh, Sen60, 60E2 rail, um, which is the bigger of the two main GB rail sections, is set to a gauge of 1438 millimeters, not 1435 millimeters. Um, what about these two rail sections then? Well, I have done I've done some drawings uh, scaled so that you can compare what these two rail sections look like. So this is 56E1, which is also known as uh, is also known as 113A uh, for a very long time. So what that that refers to to the number of pounds per per yard, whereas this 56 here refers to the number of kilograms uh, per per meter nominally. And the E1 bit uh, just refers to the, the actual shape of the, the, the head profile. Um, so here is 56E1. Let's get rid of all that text. And here is 60E2. So um, so that's uh, 60 kilograms uh, per meter. And an E2 uh, is the is the head profile, uh, the head head profile. Originally, we had, uh, we had E1, but uh, this was bad. It resulted in problems because it wasn't compatible with our uh, wheel profiles. So we actually had wheel profiles. It wasn't compatible. It was a bit of a big hoo-ha when Sen60 was introduced because there was this new rail and all, obviously people had already been grumpy that we were introducing a new rail section. So the fact that it caused some serious problems, some some issues because it wasn't compatible with our existing uh, vehicle wheel profiles made people rightly angry. So lots of grinding had to be done to correct 60E1. You'll still see some around, but for the most part, um, it's all been replaced with 60E2 now, so this 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 E2 profile with a with a profile that's basically pretty much the same as if, if you kind of look, you can see the, the head profile is mostly but not entirely identical to um, to 56E1, and you can see here I've, I've I've set these up so they're sat, and you can see that the foot's wider for 60E2, uh, the rail head is is further up, so it's taller, it's a taller unit, it's about um, 14 millimeters taller, 13 14 millimeters taller. Um, you can also see that the that 60E2 has got this sort of concave uh, rail web, whereas uh, 56E1 has a has has parallel uh, webs. You can see the parallel uh, kind of thickness of the web is 20, 20 millimeters all the way down through. So, so there you go. Um, looking very very smart. You can compare these two. I don't think I've ever seen anything that compares them kind of in this way. So hopefully this is a useful little bit of video to kind of show you what these two rail sections look like. And, and here it is actually. So, so all these pictures I'm showing you, G44s with uh, 5061. Actually, it's not 5061. This is this is what 62 looks like. You can see that that uh, that uh, sort of concave web, the railhead pretty much the same as 5061, and then you've got, you've got the rail foot here. So it's all looking very smart. Uh, and there it is. There's, a, there's the rail section sat on a on a nice G44 with fast clips in the background. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? So, um. Oh, which does raise an interesting question is how do you then transfer, how do you, how do you change between, because sometimes you're going to have, at some point, your, your trains don't, st you don't have a unique 1435 gauge railway or 1436 as we've now established, and, or a 1432 railway or a 1438 railway. You don't have individual railways with these different gauges. So how do you deal with that slight difference in gauge? Well, um, between 1435 and 1438, um, you need to have a change in rail you have to manage that change in rail depth and section anyway so you generally have a forged you can have a junction plate but generally you'll have a forged transition rail which which is sort of actually a rail that that looks it kind of so the rail heads in the same place and obviously is straight 
and actually you have a forge bit that that kind of goes like that um so you've kind of got a section that's that's sort of forged here uh, between the two rail sections of of, of kind of 62 and uh, and 5061 um and so you have yeah this this forge section so the sleepers are all sat like that and you've got to deal with the the change in sleeper height and uh fine but what if you've got but and and then in so that was looking at it kind of side on but that also generally manages that change in gauge as well what's more challenging is where you have a to 1432 to 1438 that becomes quite a big difference in gauge and so the the requirement by the standards here is quite an obvious one which is that you use uh 5f40 5ef28 um sleepers um or use g44s configured to send 56e1 track so essentially you use uh so if you've got 1432 sleepers you need to have a series of um and it only says two you know it's not it's not um not a huge number it just suggests that you have two sleepers of 1435 gauge to, to kind of uh, introduce that gauge more gently. Um, so there you go. So that's, and, and again, you can see, uh, you know, there's some stuff about the G44s being set for um, 1436 and 1438, depending on which uh, which rail section you're using. So there you go. Um, and here, actually, you can see the gauge, the, the allowable gauge transitions, if you're interested. Anyway, isn't that marvellous? What's another reason why track gauge isn't four foot eight and a half inches? Ah, because we've we've decided to make it wider, because we've gauge-widened the curve, which can improve running through tight curves for heavy rails. So if you've got a particularly tight curve, uh, you can actually, and you should, uh, gauge-widen to improve the behavior of the wheel sets through that, that curve. Um, and, and here, indeed, are the standards. Uh, the, the table, his table 14, um, uh, from 2102, which goes through, if you've got a, a track radius of between, you know, down to 176 meters... Uh, sorry, from 200 down to 176 and then, and then kind of onwards, it shows that at the tightest radii, you can actually widen your gauge up to 1450. Um, but in all cases, if you've got gauge widening, you need to also have a continuous check rail. Um, so, uh, but then also, these, are then, these, have, these curves have to then be limited to 30 miles an hour. So, oh, and, and it also describes uh, how widening shall be achieved. It suggests that it should be moved by achieved by moving the inner rail away from the design track center line. So don't move the outer rail up. You move the inner rail in. It, it's dynamics reasons why it's uh, connected to these things. Um, you can gauge widen less, uh, but if you do that, you have to speak to the root asset manager. Yeah, and there we go. Lots of sort of rates of change in 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 widening of gauge and flange way. So lots of ways that we carefully manage that. But um, yeah, there we go. So we gauge widen through curves for for heavy rail. Another reason why we do it is that we decide to narrow the gauge through a curve. Now, you might go, well, well you've just said that you want to widen it through a curve. Well, that's because different vehicles behave differently. The dynamic behavior of different rail vehicles is, is different. So where you've got um, heavy rail, they're designed for higher speeds, higher tonnages. These vehicles are designed, their, their, their suspension and their, their bogies are designed to navigate pretty shallow curves. Conversely, if you've got a tram system, those wheel sets, bogies, individually independent wheels, whatever it happens to be, um, are designed to, they are designed to cope with, with narrow curves. And actually it can be the case that it's beneficial to narrow the curve through, uh, to narrow the gauge through, uh, through curves for tram systems. Not always, and this should, you should only ever do this based on, on the, if for any designers are out there, you should only ever do this on the, on the premise of having undertaken a vehicle track interaction study to, to understand what that interface should look like. But, um, 
this is one way this is indeed one 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 way that you can manage that wheel rail interface um and, and improve the life of rails and and potentially reduce derailment risk or, or flange flange climb risk through a through a curve so um so there you go we might narrow the gauge through a curve and, and yeah okay i put a diagram up sort of showing so you, a lot of trams you, you rely on on kind of uh groove rails so you've got the kind of the, the rail head here and then what we call the keeper rail this sort of sticky out tongue bit. This is not, as, as some people often consider it to be, this is not a thing to catch the, the flange. You shouldn't have contact between the, the flange and the keeper rail. The keeper rail is just there to stop the tarmac. So this is this is this is all tarmac here filled in. Um, and likewise on the other side you'll have the actually that'll look like this, like that. And likewise, so that's all filled in with, with tarmac there. Um the uh, so this is rail. Uh, wait, so that is like that, and then that, uh, and then kind of looks like that. Uh, that is also going to be tarmac. So that's filled in, and that is filled in. The only reason for the keeper rail is to maintain this bit here, which is the flange clearance, is to make sure that this stays clear, stays clear of stuff. Uh, it's called the keeper rail. So that's the the keeper, the keep, the keeper rail, uh, rail. Uh, but it's integral to the, as I say, it's integral to this, um, to the the kind of the groove rail section here. Groove rail is wonderful stuff. But this that's compared to say the you know the more conventional railhead uh, section here that you've got. Although this diagram's a bit weird. Um, nicked it off Wikipedia. That shows me. But you can see here that the the, the behavior wheel sets can be slightly different, and so that's why you know the, the difference in behavior wheel set um, is where you have this difference, and also the the yaw damping behavior, the yaw behavior of, of the wheel sets there um, mean that you get this different dynamic behavior. Anyway, right, another another another. Throw them at me. Um, rail standard gauge track isn't necessarily uh four foot eight and a half inches because we've installed wide to gauge trap points this one might you might think is a bit uh tenuous um but trap points this gives an excuse to remind ourselves what trap and catch points are um because uh, i don't know if there are such a thing as wide to gauge catch points it kind of uh that, that for me given what catch points are for i'm not sure you'd ever get wide to gauge catch points that would defeat the object but um anyway we'll, we'll uh, yeah i'm not sure but um Let's remind ourselves what this is an excuse to remind ourselves what what trap points and catch points are. So up here we have we've got two diagrams. Uh, we have uh, one here where we've got a look, we've got some main lines. There's some main lines here and here. Main lines, lovely. And then we've got like a freight line here. We've got like a goods line. And you can see here there's there's what looks like just a set of switches. There's no crossing. There's just a set of switches installed here. Uh, and what these are for? Uh, they're called trap points, and they stop trains going over onto the main lines. So um, you can see here, uh, oh, did everyone just heard that critical beep? I don't know, don't know what that was. I think I must have pressed it. Nice. Uh, that's a familiar, I just pressed the letter T there, just in case anyone's wondering. I don't know whether I've now got dialog boxes all over one of my windows. Who, who cares? Trap points. T for trap points. And the uh, they stop trains going on main lines. So essentially, if you've, you, in order to protect the main lines from, from errant freight vehicles, you have a set of trap points and rather than be uh, these ones here you can see although they're quite miniaturized these ones you can see they 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 switch the, the the any vehicles off into the into the cess keeping them hopefully outside of gauge of the of the main lines and not fouling the main lines the other thing i mentioned is is catch points and this is uh, the catch points here are on the descent from slocht summit they have been used in anger quite recently relatively speaking uh, did i talk about these in 
did I talk about? Oh, I think Alex and I talked about this in our um, in our snow episode. We talked about the sh- our shenanigans with uh, with catch points. But yeah, these catch points are to fling trains off the main line. So if you've got a a steep hill. Uh, is is the main example actually i don't can't think of any others but if, basically if you've got a steep hill and you don't want the trains to be uh you, you want an ability a way to just basically stop trains if something's gone wrong with their brakes or something or if there's been a breakaway or, or for some reason you have a set of catch points here they are which essentially can fling trains off the main lines um tune into that um that snow episode with alex and i where, where we explain our involvement in that particular event at car at car bridge anyway there we are so that's uh trapping catch points and here's a picture of some catch points you can see the main lines uh here in the in the distance presumably these these are the mains probably um they're there and um and here you can see rather than getting sent in one direction actually the also no here you've got uh 1430 what is it? It's timber, so probably fourteen thirty-five. Yep. Here you have fourteen thirty-five. Uh, theoretically, you will always have fourteen thirty-five going uh, through here, but actually, these have been set to. Um, these have been set. So by default, these are set to to provide an ever increasing gauge. At which point, your train wheels are just sort of drop into this into the forefoot, and you derail your train, and it sort of stumble to a halt. That's where you're kind of not wanting to send it in. In this instance, I presume it's because there's a track here and then the main lines here. They don't want to send. They don't want to, it to do anything other than to stop basically on in line with the track. So that's why you've got a wide to gauge. Um, so you can see that the, this point here, between here and here, uh, the default is to have an ever widening gauge, uh, and it's only then set when you when you essentially close each of these uh, switches in this slightly strange situation where the switches mechanically split apart so i don't it's interesting for detection it's i imagine slightly faffy to set up anyway um push those apart and that allows trains to pass um i i yeah so there we go that's that's the wide to gauge trap points we're not finished yet we've got more i can't remember how many more we have but there are more um oh yeah here we go because the track is wide to gauge but with intolerance so this is a situation where you have existing tracks that are now wide to gauge but they are within safe tolerances because the railway is not an absolute thing everything's slightly you know we saw earlier even manufactured sleepers are manufactured to 1436 plus plus one minus two or plus two minus one you know slight tolerance in manufacture Um, and actually static track gauge can safely be as high as 1470 so that's quite substantially higher than 1435 um, in slower tracks so under 100 miles an hour uh, here is uh, Will Newman, my former uh, apprentice. Sorry, Screech, you were, I, I couldn't find a good picture of you doing it. I was going to have both of you in here for, for equalness, but uh, neither of you will ever watch this, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, here and he's, I, I'm, I'm hiding his face, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, here's Will um, checking track gauge on the Wednesday Railway with a nice Bantz track gauge there. So combined cant and track gauge. Look at this thing. It's great. Um, very useful tool. Uh, so that's me, uh, us measuring, uh, us doing our track walkout inspection on the Wednesday and inspecting gauge, and this was a this was a former user work crossing, which for various reasons is knackered. We've now dug this up, at, or several years ago when I was still track walker on the Wednesdale. I kind of miss those days, but too much on my plate, I'm afraid. Um, uh, track walker on the Wednesdale, and this we, we, I, I got this all dug out uh, so that we could keep an eye on it because it was really difficult. It was we were we were really gauge was widening quite dramatically, uh, which wasn't good. So. That's one thing that can happen, uh, is you can have wide gauge uh, for various reasons. Uh, in this instance, often wide gauge happens on older track because your sleepers have given up the ghost. <laughs> That's basically what happens. 
So you have um, the way that track bullet track into here. These are not just bullet rails. These are MS bullet rails. These are 80, uh, uh, 85 pound, very light bullet rails. Nowadays, it's 95 pounds or, or they're are they or are they 90 pound? They might be 90 pound, actually, but they're old, very old um, bullet rails in see by the soft shape of the of the web, whereas 95 BR, which is the standard bullet rail we have, is a bit more square. Anyway, um, these are pushed in with with chop the kind of uh, keys, kind of timber chair keys here. Um, but these you know, actually here we've got I've, I think I had a bag of them with me. We've got springs here to try and hold gauge. The issue we've got is basically this sleeper is turning into mulch. I think it's mostly become an ant's nest. And so, it's you know, if you have a line of these in a row, you can actually lose gauge. Gauge can widen. But if you've got a couple, it might be that gauge widens a little bit, but not in an unsafe manner. And you can still run trains to that. Basically, it's fine. The P way is quite resilient if you've got slower trains, freight trains, you know, um, so on. Uh, again, there's um, this Will Newman's legs. Anyway, right. Thanks, Will. What else? Well, the natural thing is, well, if you can have wide gauge, surely you can have tight gauge. And you're absolutely right. You can have tight to gauge track with intolerance, but um, not quite as as we've already seen. It's not. It's it's actually uh, wider gauge is less of an issue than a tighter gauge. Tighter gauge risks derailment because you're increasing those. You're ending up with having essentially increasing your um, you're increasing your uh, lateral forces and you're decreasing your vertical forces by the fact that the flange. Uh, you might get flange climb because you're, uh, you know, the, the wheel's not moving around so much, so you potentially get higher forces uh, upwards, which can result, if you look at your Nadal limit equation, Y and Q, can result in, in derailment, can result in increased derailment risk. And again, static tra track gauge can be as low as 1424 millimeters in, in uh, slower tracks so under, under 100 miles an hour. Now, why would you get, what thing might happen that results in you getting tight gauge? Well, a couple of things, to my mind, and you might think of more examples. One of them is you get lipping. So you get this lipping effect where um, the material, you get plastic flow of the material off the railhead, particularly in older rails, but it can happen in heavy traffic with newer rails too. And you get this lipping forming, this metal forming. And actually the shape, you can end up with a shape that's like, uh, so if you've got the railhead like this, you can actually end up with a shape like this with quite a solid amount of material either side. This, of course, if you've got, uh, if, if you're measuring gauge in this direction, this, this has the effect of reducing gauge. So that's not good. The other thing you can get is, um, while I'm here, actually, let's flip back to here. The other thing you can get is, um, uh, let's just uh, let's just change my color here. The other thing you can get is where you've got, obviously, sleepers uh, should be square like this. Uh, if you're wanting to uh, maintain your your track there's your rails lovely 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 but if you end up with um if you end up with sleepers that end up being squint like this which can happen this has the result of reducing uh, of pulling the track so if you've got these these in here this actually has the result of of reducing your track gauge um again so the, the, the two different options you can have uh, you can have skewed sleepers or um you know it's just basic pythagoras that results in that skewed sleepers or, or, or this lipping uh, can result in reduction in, in track gauge, both of which are bad. And here are the standards. Here are the standards. So, uh, yeah, once again, I'm going to just change my color. There we go. Hi, everyone in the chat, by the way. I'm sorry uh, I can't uh, respond to you. I'll try and be in the chat in the evening. I just, I'm not going to be next to my computer. I don't have anything to do on Wednesday evening, particularly. Well, that's not true. I might be out saying hello to some of the, um, the rail crew. But, uh, yes, um, Hi, everyone in the chat. Send me, tweet me your questions if you've got queries and thoughts. So, yeah, here are the standards about wide gauge and tight gauge. So you can see um, 
different difference between two different speeds uh and you've got you know 1428 100 mile an hour 100, 105 upwards and, and, and blah 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 there you go and they've and got the two kind of inspection limits and then the remedial action limits which is like if you exceed those uh, limits then you need to correct within two weeks or within for lower track categories within a, within 28 days so within two two kind of four weeks and then for tight gauge, actually less critical than say correct within twelve weeks. So it's, these are not high criticality. If if you're within those are the the limiting values. If you're within those, then you, you've got ideally you want to correct them. Uh, exceedances become more problematic, of course. Anyway, right. So there you go. Those are the standards. And that is all ten, I think. Oh no, there's one more. Or is there? No, there's not. That's it. In reality, so the the point of all this, the point of all of this is to show that um is to give you anti-pedant fodder is to give you double pedant fodder maybe i don't know what whichever way you look at it it's an excuse to explain a load of track concepts around a theme and um by and large it's to it's to just say that in reality standard gauge track is um standard track gauge rather is is rarely if ever four foot eight and a half inches or 1435 millimeters if we ignore the imperial versus metric thing it's rarely, if ever, fourteen thirty-five millimeters. For the most part, it's not any of those things. Um, it's it's all of the other dimensions that we've put up on screen. Um, and there might be other. There might might be any others that I've not thought of. Um, one of the ones I thought of before while I was putting these slides together, but I'm running out of time because I should have left to drive south a long time ago. Sorry, Paul. Um, is uh, plinth is, is actually where you've got elevated plinth track or, or a pit track where you you may selectively choose to to widen gauge. Um, uh, where you have vertical track that's not anywhere near S&C, if you've got uh, kind of a connection between S&C, you might run a little bit of vertical track between them, although you should always avoid doing that if you can. So yeah, there are, there are other, others as well, but um, yeah, and there might be other countries that have a slightly different measurement for their standard track gauge as well. I've just taken a very GB focus on this, but there may be, other, you know, in fact, there definitely are other countries that have a slightly different measurement for their track gauge. So there you go. Um, that is that. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining. That was that was fun. That was mildly chaotic. Um, yeah. Uh, as usual, we are. Oh, uh, I think I think all the podcasts should be. We should be catching up on the podcast now. Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this in podcast form, really, then clearly we have. But um, yeah, sorry for the delay. But the the rail matter minions have had exams, and frankly, those are more important. So I've I've let them prioritize that. It's not automatic, and I don't do the podcast uploading. I have the uh, the rail matter admin team do it for me. So um, thanks, Heel uh, and Ella, for that. Yes, but available on all good podcasting platforms if you prefer that to the YouTube. I don't know how well this will... I, I never know how well any of them work in um, in without the visual element because they, my, to my mind, they're a very visual podcast form. But anyway, whatever. Um, Patreon, Discord, and PayPal. You can support me on Patreon. I'm going to do some extra... There'll be plenty of bonus bits for uh, next week's episode, um, uh, I think. So that, look forward to, if you want to see those bonus bits, then subscribe to, to the Patreon and, and, and support Rail Matter being continue to be a thing, uh, continue to be a weekly thing. Um, I will be doing more pre-records, but edited pre-records, if the Rail Matter episode works pretty well. Um, I, I kind of, and that might be a way to do some more fun and interesting stuff out and about. So the, the, the live format is not, it will continue to be the main form of Rail Matter, don't worry. But I think we might be doing some more pre-records. And in doing pre-records, that offers more options for you patron folks, you good patron folks, to get involved in that process, actually. Um, the Discord, of course. The Discord, it's all happening. I've updated the logo, by the way, to those of you who are saying, I have to say, Discord, your new logo. The logo itself is fine, but the logo face is awful. What the hell is that? It's absolutely hideous. But anyway, 
Um, <laughs> Gareth Dennis UK slash Discord for the Discord. Patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis for the Patreon. And PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis for the PayPal if you just want to throw a couple of pennies at me. That's all fine and good. And and do the do do like these uh, and subscribe as well. We're on 4,600 subscribers, which isn't bad. We're aiming for the 5,000 mark, which would be bad, absolutely barking mad. I don't know how 5,000 people are subscribing to just a permanent way engineer's um, kind of... Uh, part-time hobby but uh it's great having you all along for the ride hello to all of you i'm waving uh, right as we speak or rather as i spoke or confusingly in meta terms from my perspective right now in several hours uh, or rather tomorrow um and from your perspective uh, several hours ago and then tomorrow uh rail live 2021 is happening it was cancelled in 2020 uh, 2020 if you remember 2019 i was doing i tried to do rail live live and it didn't work because there wasn't enough signal and it was a bit of a calamity and I was a bit gutted because I thought that would have been really good fun. Well, this time I'm going to have more control over it by doing it as a pre-record, which actually works better because I don't have to worry about the, the signal issues. I can tighten it up a little bit. I can cover loads of stuff. I can say things over and over again until I get them right, although that for me is a bit of an issue. Uh, because I'll soon I'm, I'm useless if if I'm not live. If I'm live, I enter lecture mode and I kind of I'm I'm fine. As soon as it's as soon as I'm aware I'm filming, I need to do it twenty times. I was I got there in the end. I don't think I was too bad for the um, the architects of the railways built team uh, and the brand Bob producers. Uh, Michaela, I hope I was all right. Anyway, um, episode sixty seven, Rail Live twenty twenty one. It'll be it'll be a pre record. I'll join with you and we can and I'll answer your questions in the chat while it goes out. Possibly, probably. Um, but yeah, I look forward to that one. It should be fun. I'll show you what Rail Live is all about. Uh, so if you've got things you want to see, message me. Uh, tweet me about things you want to see. If you've seen them on Twitter and you want to go and explore, I'm going to be looking at the the Stadler, the 777, showing what level boarding is all about. I'm going to be going to look at um, the, yeah, the the new measurement train. Uh, there's, there's, there's many things we're going to look at, and it should be good fun. Oh, let's get my large noggin up, shall we? Right, uh, I am about to drive a long way, so I'm going to go and do that. Uh, I need to also go pack, so uh, while the video renders, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I will see you all... When will I see you? I will see you all live, possibly for a stream on Friday, but uh, not confirmed. Uh, yeah, possibly a, a Friday stream, actually. I don't think I've got any plans. Um, I think Dean will be in ballet, so that should be fun. I'll see you then. And then I'll see you live for uh, the the rail after the Rail Live episode. So that's in weeks now. Anyway, crikey. I'll see you all on Twitter. Anyway, right, enough of me waffling. It's uh, 57. We've kept this under the hour, which is remarkable. Didn't think that would happen. Um, all it remains for me to do is is wave vigorously and, um, and tell you that you're all brilliant. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I will see you all. I'll see you all soon. I always do this. I always go into a loop, don't I? I say I'll see you all soon about eight times. Will I remember this and stop doing it in the future? Not for about a year, two years maybe. I don't know. At, at what point do you think Real Natural will be tight and perfect? Never. It never will be. Uh, some might argue part of the charm. Others might say it's because I'm lazy. Uh, answers on a postcard. I'm going to wave. Cheerio, everyone. Cheerio. Cheerio.